This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are, Raider Nation, coming live to you from Allegiant Stadium, the home of the silver and black. And we are here today for the Shriners Bowl, 97th Annual Shriners Bowl. And I'll tell you right now, this is why I love being on the radio, because you have no idea I could do a radio show in a phone booth if I had to, or I could do it on the concourse of Allegiant Stadium and just kind of look like, you know what I look like right now? Let me tell you, what this is what I, I look like. I look like the guys that you walk by when you're in the airport and someone's like their phone's about to die, so they're huddled up next to an electricity outlet. That's who I look like right now. But I have a little bit of electricity, a little bit of Internet. I'm taking it all, but I'm taking it all right here at Allegiant Stadium. We're here for the Shriners Bowl, and I'm excited, man. We have a fantastic show lined up for you. My man, Demond Cotton, back in the home studios, and we're making it do what we do. And, uh, yeah, that's the one that we need right there. So we're, I'm working on multiple things. I'll plug it in the commercial break. So I'm working on multiple things, and uh, we're trying to make it happen. But we got a fantastic show for you. you got it star-studded. A lot of people are going to join the show today. The next couple hours are going to fly by as we're here at Allegiant Stadium. I'm very excited about this all-star showcase coming up in a matter of minutes. As a matter of fact, Tyquan Thornton, Baylor wide receiver. He was at the Shrine Bowl media day yesterday. He'll be playing tonight. Kickoff is at 5 o'clock. You can still get tickets. As a matter of fact, ShrineBowl.com. Uh, hit those up at tickets uh, slash tickets, and they're uh, as low as $19 right now. So you want to go see a fantastic football game here at Allegiant Stadium. That's exactly what you can do for a very low price. And, hey, it looks like the weather's nice outside. It's not windy and crazy like it was yesterday. The sun is shining. So, we're good to go. Come on in. Plus, you're coming indoors, so that's another plus and an advantage, right? Allegiant Stadium is the place to be. But uh, Tyquan Thornton will be taking place of the game tonight. He's going to join us in a matter of minutes. I got a chance to catch up with him yesterday afternoon at Media Day, so you'll hear a few minutes of that conversation. That's coming up at two, it's about 2.15. At 2.30, my guy Daniel Lust, he's a sports attorney, does a fantastic job covering the legal side of sports. And, of course, there's a lot of legalities going on, right, in the sports world these days. And uh, that's what we're going to talk to him about, what's going on with the, Brian Flores, his, uh, his lawsuit against the NFL and multiple teams in the NFL. And also how John Gruden plays a role in this. Because when we were exchanging text messages and talking about setting up this interview, he told me that John Gruden and his lawsuit plays a role in Brian Flores' uh, lawsuit against the NFL. So that's going to be a fun conversation we'll have coming up at 2.30. At 2.45 this morning, I went out to uh, to Las Vegas Ballpark, and they're having the Pro Bowl festivities there. They had a little bit of media day there. Some of the players were out there, and they were able to talk. And they have them, like, on podiums, similar to what they do at the Super Bowl. So they have them on podiums, and you can kind of just put your, your phone up there or you can get your recorder, whatever you're recording with, and you can just get a few minutes with them. So it was kind of a scrum. A, a scrum scrum, whatever you want to call it, but Denzel Perryman, Raiders middle linebacker, first-time Pro Bowler, he, uh, he's going to join the show at 2.45, got about two, three minutes with him, so you'll hear that conversation coming up at 2.45, and again, it was a few of us from the media that were all there, but uh, it was a lot of fun, you know, and being able to see a lot of people out there, and saw Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro and A.J. Cole all out there working, I didn't get to get any time with those guys, I had to leave, but Denzel Perryman was, uh, was fun to talk to for a couple minutes, so you'll hear from Denzel Perryman coming up at 2.45. Then, to kick off hour number two of the show, yeah, I'm not done yet. That's hour number one. Kick off hour number two of the show, we'll have Ken Rogers and Nick Mescalo. Those guys are, are the producers and directors of the Tuck Rule. And Raider Nation, we all know very well 
about the tuck rule. The 30 for 30 is coming out on February 6th. That's on Sunday, same day as the Pro Bowl. And they're going to talk about it. They're going to uh, tell us all the details, all the back behind the scenes details. You know, what did they learn while they were while they were putting this thing together? What did they what surprised them when they were putting this thing together? You know, what was the motivation behind it? You know, I'll have to ask the question, was it a fumble or not? Of course, Charles Woodson and Tom Brady both uh, play a major role in this uh, 30 for 30, the tuck rule. So they'll join the show coming up at 3 o'clock. At 3.15, I had an opportunity on, uh, on, on Wednesday to talk to Connor and Seth, who are actually uh, Shriner's patients and also spokespersons. They kind of travel with the, the bowl game, and they, uh, they do all the – they kind of do a lot of talking and explaining how Shriners changed their lives. I got a couple minutes to catch up with them yesterday, so you'll hear that conversation coming up at 3.15. Then at 3.30, Daniel Greenberg from Shy Sports Updates, he's going to join us to talk about the Chicago Bears. And you're probably wondering why I'm asking about the Chicago Bears. Well, the Raiders hired assistant GM Champ Kelly yesterday away from the Chicago Bears, so that's part of it. Also, there's a defensive coordinator that the Chicago Bears had. He's not there in Chicago anymore. He's actually interviewing with the Raiders as well. He runs a 3-4 scheme. And so it's going to be a – I just kind of want to pick pick Daniel's brain on everything about the defensive coordinator that's being talked to by the Silver and Black right now. And then we'll close things out at 345. Jennifer King, Washington football team assistant running back coach. She's actually the running back coach for one of the teams here playing tonight at the Shrine Bowl. And so she's getting that opportunity to be the, the main coach. And so that's a – that's a lot of folks to get to, man. That's a lot of interviews we're going to do. It's kind of like a preview that we're having for Radio Row for the Super Bowl coming up next week where Raider Nation Radio 920 will be in L.A. all week long from Monday through Friday. And that's just how it is, man. You don't really have time to breathe. You don't have time to take a drink of water. It's just boom, 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 boom. It just keeps on going. And that's how we're going to do today, this afternoon here at Allegiant Stadium. And uh, I'm telling you, man, if, if you could go through an airport, if you could picture what an airport looks like with the guy that's stealing the Internet and stealing the, uh, the Wi-Fi and the, uh, and the outlet plug to charge their phone, that's exactly what I look like right now. But it's okay. The doors are going to open up here at 3.30, and uh, they're going to start to let fans in. they got a little tailgate zone going on. So uh, there's a lot of fun to be had here this afternoon at Allegiant Stadium. But now with all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So yesterday afternoon they had the media media day where all the players that are participating in the Shrine Bowl were walking around and we all had a chance to just go ahead and talk to them and, you know, get their feelings on the whole week and what had been going on and what they've learned so far throughout the course of the week. And it's fun, man. Me coming from Central Texas, of course, I've seen a lot of these players up close and personal while I was co- covering Baylor. And there's about four or five Baylor guys playing in this game tonight. Uh, we heard from uh, one – we heard from Tristan Ebner yesterday on the show, uh, the running back from Baylor, a very versatile running back. But there's a – real kind of tall, lanky, fast wide receiver named Tyquan Thornton. He does some real good things. If you haven't heard of him, uh, go ahead and look him up as well. He's got some speed. He's got some really good hands and uh, helped lead the Baylor Bears to a Big 12 championship last season. So I had a couple minutes to catch up with Tyquan Thornton. Here with Baylor wide receiver Tyquan Thornton here at uh, Allegiant Stadium for the Shrine Bowl Media Day. And uh, how's this whole event been? How's this week been for you? Man, it's been a, it's been a great experience, man. Met some great dudes, met some great players, man. Getting coached by NFL coaches, so the overall experience be been great. What is that like? Getting that opportunity to go throughout the course of the week and, and get those practices in with NFL coaches. I mean, you only get to do this one time, so you got to soak it all in, you know. Um, but it's overall it's been great, you know. I met some great coaches, you know. I feel like I got better today, you know. And I, I was in Central Texas been there the whole time that you were at Baylor and I just got out here to Vegas you're out here in Vegas right now but 
Big 12 champion, man. What was this last season like for you guys in Baylor? Uh, man, this season, this past season been special. You know, man, we've been working for it, man, you know, but just to finish the job, you know, the right way, you know, it's been, um, it's great, man. <laughs> so what has been some of the feedback that you've been getting from uh, some of these coaches out here this week? Um, just the growth that I made, you know, just coming from my freshman year to my senior year, you know, just working on contested catches and my route running, you know, just continue to grow, you know, that's something that I need to work on. What do you think is your biggest quality that you bring right now to an NFL team? Oh, um, man, just just my route running, you know, my top end speed, you know, and I can't make them catches. Right. Well, I'll tell you, there's a team that plays here in uh, this stadium right now that uh, always loves speed. So uh, could you see yourself in the silver and black? Yes, I definitely can see myself in the silver and black. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm trying to influence the things. I'm trying to influence the things. But, uh, no, man, uh, enjoy yourself. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, how has it been interacting with all these uh, kids out here from the Shrine, from the shrine Hospital that, that can't do what you do but look up to you? Oh, man, it's been great, man, just knowing that it's bigger than football, you know, knowing that it's always someone's, like, you know, um, that can't do what you can do. But um, just showing them, like, there's still hope, you know, and just keeping a smile on their face, you know, that's that's just bring joy to your heart, you know what I mean? Well, you've always been a good dude on the field and off the field, so keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate you, and good luck. All right, thank you, man. There he goes. That's Baylor wide receiver Tyquan Thornton. He'll be participating this evening in the Shrine Bowl. Uh, again, a dude with a lot of speed. He can go make that contested catch. Uh, he's a skinny dude. You know, he's obviously going to have to put on some weight on the next level, but uh, the dude could play. He can absolutely go. So I'm not saying that the Silver and Black have to go draft him. It is fun when you start talking about the draft and you start looking at certain players, especially ones that you know, and you start trying to influence it. I remember when I was in uh, Nashville for the draft, and uh, that's when Josh Jacobs was drafted. And uh, Mar- I think they had just announced, Marshawn Lynch had just announced that he was retired retiring one of the many times that he's retired and so that day I interviewed Josh Jacobs and I asked him I said well you know running back did just retire with the Raiders what do you think And he said hey man that's a good look that's a good look little did I know the Raiders had already been talking to him a lot and he already had them on their radar and he had and they had him on their radar as well and then well it all worked out pretty well and uh obviously Josh Jacobs is a member of the silver and black really good running back uh for the team it's got a big offseason a big year coming up for him as well so uh, a lot of a lot of fun man it's good to get to know these guys before they really make it into the league and start really, you know, blowing up or whatever, just because you see their journey, you see their path. You know, I remember when Tyquan Thornton went to Baylor as a freshman, all the hype was, man, this dude is so fast. He's got speed. He's got wheels. And I think the first year that he played his freshman year, uh, he played as a true freshman, didn't really get a whole lot of burn, but you just knew that he was really good. And after that, just kind of took off, you know. He worked with Matt Rule and then uh, followed up that with uh, Dave Aranda. And uh, like I said, this last season passed, uh, won the, the Big 12 championship for the Baylor Bears. So that's good stuff. So what we're going to do real quick, we're going to uh, take a quick break. We're going to come on back. I got your, I, I got a couple topics that I want to throw out there to you in between all the guests that we have on the show. But we got a lot of moving and shaking going on here at Allegiant Stadium. So we're going to try to get a little bit more situated. But this is how we roll, man. The good thing is, like I said before, we're on the radio and not on TV. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. All right, want to give you an update real quick on Raiders interim head coach Rich Bisaccia. Uh, from This is from Rick Stroud, who we actually had on the show. He covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers like a glove. We had him on the show last week. He said, hearing Bucks offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich is expected to remove himself in consideration from the Jaguars head coaching job soon. Former Raiders interim head coach Rich Bisaccia and former Eagles coach Doug Peterson remain strong candidates so you want to talk a big cluster f going on in uh out in jacksonville that's exactly what's going their head coaching search they have fumbled that thing from the jump i did a podcast today talking about how much i feel like mark davis is continuing to grow and evolve as the owner of the raiders and for many many reasons 
And I don't care what outlet, what outlet sources want to say that, oh, they didn't do this right or they didn't do that right. I'll tell you what, man, I've seen a lot of growth. And it's not like he's trying to prove anything to me or any of us. I mean, it's just, just from a distance paying attention. You could tell how much Mark Davis is growing as an owner and knows that this is a very important hire and wanted to make sure he got it right. And he definitely did not fumble it like the Jacksonville Jaguars are fumbling their opportunities. They had a guy that used to play for the organization. Probably one of the, well, one of their best their quarterbacks. Best quarterback yeah, I'm about to say, I'm about to say one of their best quarterbacks. I know they had who else? Uh, who else was a really good quarterback? They had some guys that played for him, but man, I mean, Bortles took him to the AFC Championship. Right, game. but he wasn't a good quarterback. He just he just had a good defense and 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 tried to stay out of the way. But yeah, you're right, Demond. I mean, Byron Leftwich. I'll I'll go ahead and say it. The best quarterback that they had, they had that right in the fold, ready to make him the head coach. Oh, Mark Brunel had a couple good seasons when he had. Oh, Mark uh, Brunel was good. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Mark Brunel, the lefty. I got to give him some love. I don't want to disrespect him. But yeah, I mean, you get the point. They don't have a long history of great quarterbacks in the you know in, in their in their franchise history, and he was one of them. And it looked like he was ready and fired up to get that coaching uh, experience and job and work with a young quarterback like Trevor Lawrence and. Uh, now it looks like he's going to say, you know what, thanks but no thanks, I'll stay here in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians and we'll be good. And that's what he should do. Good for Byron Leftwich. If, if the situation don't feel right, don't force it. Don't force it just because you think, hey, this might be the only shot I get to be a head coach. I'm going to take this right here. A lot of people make that mistake. A lot of folks make the mistake of taking a job that they might not want to take just because they think it might be the only chance. And sometimes you got to think about it long and hard, and, and you just got to make the right decision for you. And I, I had a program director that told me one time, matter of fact, David Smoke, I reference him a lot on the show because he taught me a lot. He, he told me one time, Q, if you're ever caught in between a decision, like you know if you should take a decision or take a job or not, don't take it because that opportunity will always lead to another opportunity. If you have, if you have that opportunity, someone else is going to give you another opportunity as long as you keep doing the right thing and keep working hard. So uh, that's what Byron Leftwich is going to do. He's going to pull his name out of, the, out of the search as far as the Jacksonville Jaguars. It looks like Doug Peterson or Rich Bisaccia may get that job. And you know what? If Rich Bisaccia gets it, even though I just spent five minutes talking bad about the Jacksonville, that would be cool. That would be cool because he's, he's trying to get his first head coaching job, his first legit head coaching job. And he'd go in there with a lot of respect, and he'd go in there and, and be able to do the best he could. And honestly, I'll tell you right now, I don't think the weight of the world would be on him in Jacksonville. You have a nice young quarterback to work with, and I'm sure that there's plenty of, uh, there's plenty of coaches out there that like to go work with him as well, you know, because they know who he is as a, as a, as a person and as a leader. And I think he can get some really good free agents to go there as well. I think that would be a good landing spot for Rich Bisaccia, uh just to be able to get that, you know, get that head coaching spot that he's always wanted and, and give himself an opportunity. Yeah, it's difference too between Byron Leftwich trying to establish yourself as a right. head coach at 42, yep. and Rich Bisaccia being the lifelong 30 plus years, 60 years old. You know, he he, he is in the at the at that age where it's just like you don't know when those opportunities right. are gonna come again. It's either now or never, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, so you got to go and make the best of it. Like this is supposed to be the best quarterback prospect in the, in a decade. So I take it. Right. And just make it work at least. And, and see the and, and do the best he could. And, and you know what? That's the one thing I can guarantee you. He will do the best he could. He'll put everything he's got into it to make it work, just like he did with the Raiders uh, after everything shook out. I mean, he did everything he could to make it work with the team. So, uh, you know, obviously the expectations for the Raiders. he did make it work. Yeah, he did. He did. He got him to the playoffs. But the expectations for the Raiders, in my opinion, is more, way greater than the expectations are for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, you know, that's, that's kind of splitting hairs here or there. But I, I do think it would be a, a pretty decent landing spot for Rich if, uh, if he chose to go in that direction. And, and if he said, you know what, I want to be a head coach really bad but not that bad, then I would respect that too. I think he's in the position where he's earned the right to decide yes or no. He's earned that, you know, with all the, the time he spent 
in the National Football League. Coming up at 2.30 here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920, Daniel Lust, sports attorney. He'll talk to us about the Brian Flores uh, lawsuit against the NFL. He'll also talk to us about how John Gruden plays a role in it and what Hugh Jackson what Hugh Jackson is saying to uh, – he's doing the little media tour now as well. He's the now uh, head coach of, the, of Grambling State. He was the Raiders head coach. He was the – Cleveland Browns head coach. He's been on the defensive side for uh, for the Cleveland or for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's also been offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, he's spent a long time in the NFL. Now, Grambling's head football coach. He's making the media rounds and saying that he's been dealing with some issues or dealt with some issues similar to to what uh, Brian Flores is going through. And so, I'll ask Daniel about that as well. And just you know, how does what Hugh Jackson is saying now? How does that play a, a factor into this whole situation if it plays a factor at all? So he's coming up at two thirty, and as you could tell, probably. We're way more situated now than we were in the first segment. I'm telling you, we went to commercial break, and all I could do was laugh. I mean, seriously, all I could do was laugh at the, at the situation that we were under here. I, I get everywhere I go. I, I have no problem peeling back the curtain, Raider Nation. Everywhere I go, if I'm ever going to be on location, I get there super early. And, Damon, you know that. I get there super early because you never know what may go wrong, and I don't want to – I don't want it there to be a fail. So I left the radio station probably about 12.15 to 12.20 and arrived here at Allegiant Stadium about 12.45. In between the time that I got here and the time we went on the air, we changed locations where I was going to be set up doing this show from like three or four times. <laughs> and then come to find out the plug that we were going with the Internet didn't have Internet. And so we started going with the Wi-Fi. But you know how Wi-Fi is. It's very hit or miss. And so it, it could drop in. It could drop out. It could sound clear. It could sound muffled. And so that's not ideal. And that's one thing that we want to do around here is make sure that we always bring quality sound. I mean, it's one thing to have great guests on the show, but it's also uh, great if you can actually hear them. So uh, I know that the first segment sounded fine, but it could sound better. And so we wanted to make sure that it was going to be better. So we finally got everything situated. I have a table now. I have two chairs. <laughs> you know, so I'm not standing in the middle of Allegiant Stadium and people looking at me crazy as I walk by. One lady walked by and said, you look lost. And I said, do I? Do I look lost? <laughs> I got a headset on. <laughs> I have a machine here that I'm talking with and I got a computer. Do I look that lost? <laughs> like I just made a wrong turn. I was supposed to be at the library and instead I'm at Allegiant Stadium. But no, it's 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 just a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun being out of the, out of the studio, but. Just glad that we were able to make it work and get everything situated. Uh, again, being out here at Allegiant Stadium for the Shrine Bowl is going to be uh, it's going to be fun tonight. To check it out. It kicks off at five o'clock and doors are open, I believe, around three thirty. So if you're trying to make your way here, uh, you have some time to come on down here, get your tickets, and get in here and enjoy a heck of a football game. It's fun to watch the field change from a Raiders field to a UNLV field to now a Shriners Bowl field to a Pro Bowl field that's going to happen on Sunday. And, again, I was out at the uh, Las Vegas ballpark earlier this morning checking out the little uh, the Pro Bowl festivities. And I'll tell you, man, it's a whole lot to cover in this city on this weekend. I haven't even picked up my credential for the NHL yet. I guess I'll do that sometime between, I don't know, now and, I don't know, tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know, Damon. I don't know. Can, can you double as me and, 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 try and just go everywhere? You're going to have to grow a little bit. But, you know. I'm I think, called for I, just kidding, man. I'm just kidding. I had to, I had I to fire to that go, shot. Man. I was about to come in, try to make a joke, but it's like, you know what? Nah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to be going to break. So we got to be coming up. <laughs> Throw out a height joke. I was going to be like, you know, you know what? <laughs> Forget you. Nah, we, <laughs> hey, man, you know, Damon's my guy. I'll tell you what, a lot of people don't know, but Damon, he's around town as well, man. He's busy around town showing up to different events and making sure that we have it covered as well. And uh, even though we have a pretty decent-sized staff, man, it is hard to have everything in this city covered. But it, it's, it's, a, it's a fun challenge. 
That's for sure. It's definitely a fun challenge. So, uh, Raider Nation, as I mentioned, I do have a couple topics that I want to throw out there, but I, I wanted to reset the show and kind of settle down a little bit and, and get things pushing again. So we're going to do that. We're going to reset everything. Coming back, we're going to talk to Daniel Luss. He's a sports attorney. He's going to break down the Brian Flores lawsuit. Does it have some legs? Does he think it can really go somewhere? Because you're going up against the NFL, and as John McClain tells us all the time, that is not an easy ask is going up against the NFL. So we'll talk to Daniel Luss, and we'll do it next. This is Unnecessary Roughness live from Allegiant Stadium here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Live here at Allegiant Stadium, the site for the 97th Annual Shrine Bowl. It's going to be a lot of fun. Doors open up at 3.30. Kickoff is at 5 p.m. Of course, Raider Nation Radio 920 is in the building. Unnecessary roughness. And right now on the phone lines, want to go out and talk a little bit of sports law. We're going to do that with the sports attorney, Daniel Lust, at Sports Law Lust on Twitter. And, Daniel, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, my man. And uh, I know you've been busy. You know, you've been real busy with a lot of legalities that are going on in the NFL right now. Obviously, Brian Flores has his lawsuit going against the league, Miami, Denver, and also the Giants. Uh, just off the top, man, it, do you feel like, in your professional opinion, that this lawsuit, as far as you know, has some real legs to it? I think it's tough to say at this early stage if it has some legal legs to it, right, With it, whether or not Flores and, and the class action of plaintiffs that are going to come behind him. You know, that's uh, former black NFL head coaches, general managers, applicants for those jobs. It's tough to say whether they have a true legal case without, you know, without going through discovery. But... Um, I will say, in terms of winning the headlines, winning the media war, um, and being able to get into discovery, I think they'll be able to. I think at this stage they've painted a colorable case um, that there is something going wrong at the NFL level from a, a diversity standpoint. Um, you know, go no further than the numbers that are cited, I think, pretty artfully by Brian Flores' camp. Right, One NFL head coach out of 32 is African-American. Right. Six out of 32 general managers and zero NFL owners. Uh, that's a numbers problem, right? And if you're really promoting diversity and you created the Rooney Rule in 2003 to help with that cause, clearly you failed. Have you failed because of some business reasons or have you failed because there's something uh, kind of more nefarious happening? So, um, you know, I think they've painted enough of a picture to get into court to be able to take some uh, discovery. Um, but, uh, you know, the NFL is obviously going to put up a fight and make a motion to dismiss uh, and all that fun. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask you because whenever you go up against the NFL, we usually talk to John McClain from the Houston Chronicle every week, and, you know, he's been covering the league for so long, and he always tells me, Q, anytime you go up against the league or attempt to go up to the, against the league, as the Raiders and Al Davis and Mark Davis very well know, it is such an uphill battle. So, I mean, this this is, to me, it just seems so tough to, to be able to, I don't want to say prove because obviously there's a lot of, evidence that you just rolled out and that Brian Flores has rolled out as well. But I just feel like the money machine that is the NFL, it makes it that much more harder for Brian Flores to really state his case in, in a court. Yeah, they're really going to make you work for it. Um, you know, when you've known Q, I was following the St. Louis Rams case very closely. City of St. Louis sued the NFL uh, for allegedly kind of fraudulently moving the team over to Los Angeles to make some more money for the league. Really kind of complicated case, not the same kind of tones that we're dealing with here. But that took four years for the NFL to pony up a buck. And when they decided to pony up, that was $790 million to make that case go away. So the NFL's MO, as you know, John McClain points out, they want to make this as difficult for people to sue them as possible. And it's not really just the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA. Mm -hmm. Their MO in any of these lawsuits is to file a motion to dismiss immediately and to continue to hit you with motion practice throughout. 
right? They want to, you know, it's kind of death by a thousand cuts. Right. I'm sure, right, there's some logic to say, hey, maybe we should pay Brian Flores now, make this whole thing go away. But then, you know, if the NFL did that, that might incentivize other people to make messy allegations against the NFL and set a precedent the NFL will pay to make you go away. So optics-wise, uh, from a legal standpoint, I, I get what the NFL is doing. They always make it difficult for plaintiffs. Um, but this might be a case where I don't know if you want to take such an abrasive tone. That's just, uh, it's just my sense. I think this case is a little bit different than really anything we've seen before it. Yeah, I agree 100%. We're talking with Daniel Lesson, sports attorney right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, me and you were exchanging some text messages the other day as we were trying to set this interview up, and you said that Gruden plays a role in this, and it, it really piqued my attention, and I have no legal background whatsoever. Matter of fact, I try to stay as far away from the law as possible. I figure that's the best way to stay out of trouble. But how does John Gruden affect this lawsuit, and, and, and how much can it really, like I said, affect uh, what Brian Flores has going on? Well, John Gruden is mentioned in this complaint. So the, the attorney of Brian Flores' case made it a point to mention that Gruden had all these bad emails, right? And despite all these horrendous emails that he had, he was allowed to walk away, right? He was kind of allowed to, you know, get uh, paid by the Raiders on the way out. I'm not exactly sure what the terms of that settlement were, but, you know, maybe much more graciously than uh, Brian Flores got the boot after two pretty successful seasons with Miami. It was a kind of a shocking fire. Right. Um, what, I, what I think kind of cue that the undertone is, and why I was saying it in our, you know, when we were talking offline, like, the whole key to this case is discovery. Um, you know, we can get into it, but like the Giants hired Brian Dayball, who was, a, you know, I think equally as qualified as Brian Flores for that position, maybe the hottest uh, offensive coordinator in football with his, you know, historic performance being the OC for the Bills, not punting against the Patriots, killing those guys, and then going against the Chiefs and having a great performance. So Dayball was a really hot coaching candidate as was Flores, right, coming off of two years with the Dolphins and having head, you know, success at the head coaching level. For the Giants, I, I could make the argument if I'm the Giants lawyers, we didn't hire Brian Flores, and it didn't have anything to do with his skin color. We just, you know, he was our second choice, and we, we liked Dayball a little bit more. We weren't checking a box. Uh, we just preferred Brian Dayball. I hope, you know, I mean, I think that makes sense. Right. Now, what, what, uh, the, the tricky part here is what I'm saying discovery Brian Flores is going to have to find and going to be allowed to look for it. Emails, text messages, maybe a Bill Belichick deposition. How did that decision come to be? And why was Brian Flores left on the books to have an interview if they had already picked a head coach? So that's why Gruden kind of comes into play here. If you asked me a year ago, is it possible that an NFL head coach in the year 2021 would have horrendously heinous emails of a racist tone I'd say probably not. I'd say probably the NFL has weeded out those bad players. It's 2022, right? In 2021. Right, right. Um, I, after seeing what came out with Gruden, I wouldn't be shocked, right? And I think that's the undertone to this case. Brian Flores wants to poke around. He wants to poke around the Giants organization, mm-hmm. the Denver Broncos from that 2019 meeting when Elway shows up late and allegedly, you know, according to Flores, hung over. He wants to go through the Dolphins organization, figure out why he was fired, you know, after having two pretty good seasons, and wants to see if there's any Gruden-esque emails around. So, you know, the, the larger point, I think you can draw a straight line between the Washington football team investigation that's going on in Congress, the John Gruden lawsuit, and the now the Brian Flores lawsuit. They're actually all seeking the same thing. They're seeking, right, the rest of those emails. They're trying to figure out if there's any other John Grudens that are kind of hiding beneath the surface, and that's the purpose of discovery to find those smoking gun emails. So 
you know, he asked me if I think he can win. Certainly, if he can find some more emails, right. Gruden-esque emails about him, total, absolute game changer. But you don't get there until you get into the world of discovery. Man, that's going to be a, a, a lot of work. That's going to be a ton of work to try to find all those. And it feels like, and I think we talked about this when we talked about the original Gruden uh, lawsuit against the NFL, that this could open up a whole can of worms. It sounds like all these different investigations that are now going on and lawsuits that are going on really can open up a can of worms. That Daniel, it might take a very, well, it's not, there's no might about it. It's going to take a very long time before this gets resolved. Yeah, I mean, there's also a world where the case gets dismissed. I mean, I, I'm not predicting that would happen early on, but certainly the NFL is going to try in case they've been dismissed early before. But if it gets into discovery, just let's play this out, right? Who is a potentially relevant witness to this case? Just for Flores, we're not talking about the potential class action of, of individuals like Jim Caldwell that could pop up, or yeah. potentially Marvin Lewis or Hugh Jackson, all of which have either spoken publicly or named in the complaint, maybe Eric Bieniemy. We don't know who those guys are, you know, might, might need for a deposition. But when it comes to Flores, right, Bill Belichick, they're going to go to Bill Belichick's deposition and say, who did you speak to at the Giants that you know that Dave was going to be hired? Who did you speak to in Buffalo? And then you're going to have depositions with those guys, right? What You're going to have in a deposition maybe with Brian Dayball. Were you given the job ahead of time, right? What other jobs were you looking at? Okay, you were looking at the Jaguars job, the Saints job. Let's talk to those guys. So, I know, that's, I don't know, 20 depositions that have already just poked <laughs> around with wow. one person. Yeah. And Elway's going to get brought in, right? It, there's a lot of tentacles to this case. It, there's a reading of this where discovery would be asked upon every NFL team, invasive interviews on every NFL team. That's what you get with a class action lawsuit, right, Hugh? It's not Kaepernick, one guy, right. versus the NFL. It's tens, if not maybe even 100 potential plaintiffs in this class against the NFL, right? It's kind of strength in numbers, and that, that's why... You know, I'm not a hyperbole guy, but that's that's why it's the case we've not seen. It's different than Kaepernick. It's right. different than Kirk Flood. Wow, it's incredible. I mean, it really is. And you just laid out how far this really can go. And it, it looks like it's almost endless. And, and I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned Bill Belichick, I, when I was reading that text message exchange, I just looked at it and said, okay, um, that's, you know, that's saying a lot right there. But then at the same time, I just felt some kind of way about it. Like, man, it just something didn't seem right. And that's just my gut feeling. Obviously, I don't know anything. But when you read the, the text message exchange between Flores and Bill Belichick, what were your thoughts when you were reading that? There's a contingency on social media that thinks that Bill Belichick did that on purpose. Um, I am not one of those people, but okay. I've certainly seen that. That Bill Belichick may be the smartest guy in the NFL would be that bad to, to send that text message. I mean, that was certainly, uh, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, the, yeah. you know, the match that lit the fire. Um, you know, I guess from a legal perspective, that Bill Belichick exchange, um, I, don't, I don't think it's as relevant legally as, as I think a lot of people are pointing to. And, and obviously, Brian Flores thought it was important. It's the first sentence in the entire complaint, the right. quote from Bill Belichick. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Bill Belichick is the head coach of the New England Patriots. Last I checked, right, he's not getting a, getting a salary from the Giants. He's not the owner of the Giants. He's not the general manager of the Giants. Legally, right, he can't bind the Giants by his statements. Um, you know, Bill Belichick might have heard, like he says in the text, he heard secondhand from someone that they, you know, Dave all had landed. Right. Um, but to me, that, that A, is he's not someone with the Giants organization, but B, there's also a world where Dave all hadn't yet accepted the job, that he was playing maybe hard to get. He was trying to leverage some more money. He hadn't made that decision. Um, so, I, I, you know, not that I know what way what happened one way or the other, but right. I think the Giants will have defenses here that, you know, if you just read their statement, Q, it says that 
Flores was in consideration until the 11th hour. I think that's their way of saying he was our number two choice. If things right. fell through with Dayball, we were going to move. The reason we had you on the books, I mean, it, it, there might just be a non-discriminatory reason why we were going to continue to have that interview. So don't listen to what Bill Belichick said. He has nothing to do with our organization. Similar to how Tom Brady and his, uh, you know, his whole retirement saga a week ago, until you hear it straight from the horse's mouth, it's not official. And I, I think that I think the Giants do have a good defense on that point. I can't really speak to the Dolphins if they have a defense, but I, I think the Giants uh, and maybe the Broncos do have some. You know, you know, John Elway showing up late to a meeting. Does that mean uh, that you didn't uh, have any intention of hiring Brian Flores? Right. I don't think necessarily. Um, right. But yeah, <laughs> of all the teams, the three that are really mentioned up front: Giants, Broncos, Dolphins. I think the Dolphins. Uh, I think they have a tougher sell, with all things considered. I think that their fans are probably the most worried of the three. Right, and they've got a lot more than just you know the the hiring and firing of uh, Brian Flores as well. A lot of allegations going on uh, with that organization. Again, we're talking right now with Daniel Les, sports attorney here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man, Damon Cotton's got a question for you. Yeah, Daniel, when it comes to establishing a class for a class action lawsuit, what are the steps that Flores and these other coaches, whether they decide to opt in on the class action lawsuit, what are the steps to establishing a class from a legal side? Yeah, so he's identified the proposed class action uh, as of today. We'll see if the judge accepts it. Um, but that's all uh, black general managers, black head coaches, offensive, defensive coordinators, people that have applied for those jobs that didn't get them, right, as imagine. That's a pretty finite set, uh, you know, for the class action. The judge will await that. It's not, not a given that it'll, it'll be given class action status, but at least the people that, uh, you know, uh, my other colleagues that I'm speaking with, we think it's pretty well defined. We'll see who steps up to the plate. Um, I think conversations, um, you know, that, that people have been having, Hugh Jackson kind of coming out and, and stepping out and saying, you know, seemingly that he supports Brian Flores' case, Marvin Lewis as well. Um, I think the class is pretty well defined. I think it's a, finite amount of numbers, it's not amorphous, and I think it speaks to uh, a common nucleus of fact, right? The Rooney Rule impacts, um, you know, a pretty finite set of people, right? General managers, head coaches, and I think it's offensive and defensive coordinators. So, yeah, that's usually the criteria that will get you into a class. If it's, you know, a finite amount of people facing a common nucleus set of facts, right? Maybe the easiest one, if uh, people don't really understand class actions, right? The EA Sports video game case. Yeah, yeah. College athletes across the country... They were having their name, image, and likeness used in a video game. Yeah, certainly. College football is different than college basketball. If you play for UCLA, basketball is different than South Carolina football. But, you know, claims are basically the same. They use your number. They use your likeness, your height and weight. So you guys should all be combined so that EA Sports doesn't have to face, like, 50,000 lawsuits. They can face one lawsuit um, all together. That's the, the benefit of a class action case. And some of these coaches or general managers that he included may want to opt out. So is there like a threshold of number of people or coaches that would be, that would make it more likely for this to get picked up? Um, I, don't, I don't know if there's a hard, hard line number with a case like this. Uh, certainly, I, I don't know. I mean, just in the last couple of days, we've seen some big, big coaches uh, come out and speak in favor of, of Flores. Um, I don't think there's going to be a hard black and white uh, number, so to speak. Um, I would be surprised, too, I think from an optic standpoint, there's about six or seven coaches or, you know, that, are, that are mentioned in some way, shape, or form, past and present, in the complaint. Um, I don't have the names in front of me, but two active NFL coaches. One, I think, was a D-backs coach, uh, another coach, an, an assistant defensive coach with the Steelers. Um, I would find it odd that current coaches were listed in the complaint 
without giving some clearance ahead of time. So I, I have a feeling Flores, you know, he, he you know, and his attorneys put some calls in and knew they were going to have some support. Because um, certainly that's what we've seen in the last 48 hours, you know, support for this case, which makes sense. You know, another big one, if, if he decides to join the class or not or speak out publicly, Eric the Enemy, right? Another yeah, guy yeah. similarly situated, Kansas City, right? I, I think you can make the comparison that he's Brian Dayball, but he's for the Kansas City Chiefs, both two of the best offenses in football. Yep. Dayball gets the job. The enemy is still the OC. That's a guy that I think probably also has a strong case, right? And so, uh, as I kind of mentioned earlier with you, right, who knows what emails are out there, right? That's, that's I think, the scary proposition for the NFL, um, just because it could touch, touch upon so many different levels. Uh, yeah, so the case that might take a while to hash out. And, Daniel, this has been great. Uh, before we let you go, I did want to ask you, I mentioned that Miami has other allegations as well. Uh, Brian Flores mentioned that Steven Ross was trying to pay him $100,000 basically to lose games. And we know that the franchises, they, their front offices will set up teams where they're not as good and they can't really compete because they don't have as much talent. But as far as paying a guy to basically lose games, if that is proven that, to be true, what do you think would ultimately happen with Steven Ross and the Dolphins? This is how you know the story is so leveled. Like, we've been talking to you for 15 minutes, and only now are we talking about the allegation right. paying to, to lose games. Right. Um, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, that could be huge. Whereas I guess the long and short, we joke a lot about our, you know, our bad sports teams having their owners have to sell the team, like Dan Snyder or, uh, you know, in Washington, or I'm a Knicks fan, James Dolan, everybody hates him. But this is the type of allegation where, if established, if an owner was really paying someone to lose games, you're getting very close to, you know, Chicago Black Sox territory, right. or you keep Rose territory, or Tim Donaghy territory, the, uh, you know, the old NBA ref who yep. was involved in some type of gambling scheme. So, you know, if established, I don't know what other situation would force someone to lose their team. Obviously, those laws are on the books in the NFL Constitution about how someone loses their team. It's never been used before, but I can't imagine another instance where it, where it would come up. Um, and also Jimmy Haslam, right? Hugh Jackson yeah. said the same allegations occurred to him when he was in Cleveland. So I don't know. It's, there's a lot, lot to be said here. And obviously we're just at the tip of the iceberg with respect to the case. So yeah, a fun one, uh, you know, for, for me to track on the legal end. Um, the other, the other side too, just I know, uh, I know we got to run, but people should be paying close attention to that Houston Texans coaching seat and the Saints coaching seat. Mm. A lot of attention is going to be there if anybody other than Brian Flores uh, gets those jobs. So. Pay close attention uh, to the NFL coaching front. Nice, nice little nugget right there to close things out. Daniel Lust, sports attorney. You can find him on Twitter at Sports Law Lust and with us here on Raider Nation Radio. Daniel, great stuff as always. I really do appreciate you. I know you're busy, but thank you for your time this afternoon. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you so much. There he goes, Daniel Lust, sports attorney. Uh, fantastic job, really good job breaking it down. Demond, great questions uh, from you back in the home studio. And this thing is just getting started, and I talk about it a lot in radio when I say there's so many different branches on a tree. The tree is there. The branches are starting to squirt out and starting to grow, and they grow, and they grow, and they grow, and it's going to be that monster tree. You know that tree that is so, it's been growing in your backyard for so long that it's like on the neighbor's house, and eventually you got to cut it down? You're like, no, that tree's been there since before I was born. This is how this feels like this is going to go. There's so many different branches that are going to come off of this tree. But th many thanks to Daniel for joining us to break it down again in the early stages. 2.48 is the time. We're live at Allegiant Stadium right now. The 97th Annual Shrine Bowl is taking place tonight. It kicks off at 5 o'clock, and we'll be here for it. Very excited about that. When we come back, we'll close out hour number one. You'll hear from Denzel Perryman, Raiders middle linebacker. He was at Media Day earlier today at the Las Vegas ballpark. You'll hear that conversation next. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. 
Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. As we're here live at Allegiant Stadium, it's Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. The 97th Annual Shrine Bowl kicks off at 5 p.m. Doors open up at 3.30. You can start to roll in here and get your seat, find your seat, and get ready to see some guys that are going to be playing on Sundays. You know, get to see them now, get to know them now, and then see them on Sundays. You'll see them on your big screen or whenever you're at, you know, whatever stadium you're going to. If it's Allegiant Stadium or if it's another stadium, you'll get to see these guys. It's really cool to be at these all-star events, so very blessed that uh, we have the opportunity to be here. Coming up at 3 o'clock, Ken Rogers and Nick Mascalo, uh, their directors from the Tuck Rule, the 30 for 30 is going to air on ESPN on February 6th. They're going to join us to talk all things, just kind of putting that thing together, uh, give us a little bit of a preview of it not that we don't know how it ends it's kind of like the titanic right we know how that movie ends i know how the tuck rule is going to end but just want to get a little insight get a little background on what's what was going on while they were putting this together what was it like charles woodson and tom brady the interactions that they were having both michigan guys obviously both heavily involved in the tuck rule play Uh, so that should be a fun conversation coming up at three o'clock i did want to pass along a couple notes real quick we mentioned on uh, Wednesday's show that Champ Kelly was hired as assistant GM for the Raiders. They didn't even have an assistant GM position, but they went ahead and made one to bring in Champ Kelly to be the uh, direct assistant to Dave Ziegler. So that's a nice one-two punch right there. Uh, another note that came out later on in the afternoon on Wednesday, Bo Hardigy is the quarterback coach, offensive assistant from uh, New England, uh, was also the coach in Miami. He was uh, hired to be the Raiders' uh, offensive assistant, and I know that that was something that DeMond and, uh, and Vinny Bonsignor were able to talk about quite a bit on uh, on Wednesday's show. And then the news uh, that I saw earlier this morning is that the Raiders are interviewing Sean Desai, former uh, Bears defensive uh, coordinator, and he's a guy that runs particularly particularly heavily a 3-4 scheme, but they had a really good defense, really good defense there in Chicago. Uh, That's always where they hang their hat, and so he's interviewing uh, for the Raiders' open defensive coordinator position. And then also the Raiders interviewed Tom McMahon for their special teams uh, coordinator position. He was a special teams coach in Denver, and everything I see out of Denver is like, yeah, take him he's terrible <laughs> that's all I kept reading all last night was yeah take that guy he's awful but uh, the Raiders and uh, and Josh McDaniels and company definitely interviewed him yesterday afternoon now earlier this morning I was out at Las Vegas ballpark and it was a lot warmer than it was yesterday evening there's been a lot of Pro Bowl activities going on at Las Vegas ballpark and it's funny seeing the media guys say man this is the one of the coldest Pro Bowls that we've ever covered but this morning it was a lot warmer the sun was out the sun was shining and Multiple Raiders, Denzel Perryman, Max Crosby, A.J. Cole, Hunter Renfro all rolled out. I was only there long enough to hear what Denzel Perryman had to say, but, you know, as Denzel Perryman always does, it's always a fun conversation. So here's that little media session with Denzel Perryman. What's it like being out here, Denzel? It's your it's first, crazy, man. first Pro Bowl. Hang on, I'm still taking it in. I'm still taking it in. Uh, it probably won't hit me until, uh, you know, Sunday. But uh, right now I'm just taking it in, man. Some crazy experience right now. What has it been like just to be with all the other players, the great players that have been elected to the Pro Bowl this year? Uh, it's been great, man. You know, just shaking hands. Uh, obviously, played against a lot of these guys. Uh, now I'm going to be on the same team with them, same huddle with them. Um, but like I said, man, I'm just taking it all in right now, man. Great feeling, though. This obviously has been a, a busy week for y'all with the Raiders. Have you had any reaction or time to just reassess the hires? Uh, I talked to Coach McDaniels maybe briefly on the phone. You know, he just called, you know, give me his number, you know, check in and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I know he was going to be busy, so uh, we probably going to, you know, get together when he get back in town. What's your thoughts on him? What do you know about him uh, as a player? Nothing. Nothing really. Uh, I just know he's an offensive guy uh, from what I've been told. And, um, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, getting to know him. 
Have you, what's the chatter amongst the guys kind of been like, though, with the new coaching staff coming in? Just kind of we haven't talked to the guys like that, man. Uh, after the season, we've kind of been, you know, doing our own thing. Okay. Well, Did you get a chance to decompress yet for the season, kind of look back and reflect on it? Yeah, I go back and watch film. I ain't going to lie. I go back and watch games that, you know, uh, we should have won. Uh, I don't go back and watch the games that we did win. But um, just, you know, get out of football, man. You really can't get out of it. I probably won't get out of it until, you know, after Sunday, to be honest with you. I'm still in football mode right now, so yeah. right. So now that you're in the offseason, have you really been able to take the time to really enjoy Vegas and enjoy all the things that? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I told you, after football. So after Sunday, you know, you might see me somewhere. Somewhere. Eating, though. Eating. I don't gamble or nothing like that. You ain't going to see me in a casino. Just walking through. Nah, but I'm, I'm, listen, this is an open message for everybody out there who talk about my past coverage. We can get together this offseason and teach me everything you know. <laughs> teach me everything you know, because I need it. Well, you're going to get a pretty good receiver this week. I know. There's Leonard. I don't know where he at. Hey, uh, hey, hey, Leonard. We, we talking about this. They said I'm going to be going against all the receivers. This guy is going against all man coverage everything. <laughs> That's his job. That's his job. He's, he's the head hunter. He's going to knock everybody out. I was just the one that's going to cover all the tight ends and stuff. So he's just a package, you know what I mean? We you got to know who him. people are. They're going to come down here and smack you, and I'm just going to be the guy to know, cover the guy. We already got a game plan. <laughs> we already got a game did plan. You, did you follow, Coach, even though you're saying in terms of supporting this, in terms of also supporting the Honestly, man, I don't pay attention to none of that stuff. So I'm the, I'm the wrong person to ask about that. Feel like, even though you say you don't know Vegas that well, and you still have that to get to, do you feel like kind of a host or an ambassador this week? Yeah, man, they asked me. I was like, oh, man, you got to show us where to go. And I'm like, hey, good luck with that. We all going to be on Yelp because I don't, I don't know. I don't go out like that, man. I'm a homebody. Like I say, uh, after Sunday, you know, then I'll, you know, be out in Vegas and venturing off. And I have all the list of things to do for everybody. There you go right there. Raiders middle linebacker Denzel Perryman. And uh, he's always funny when he answers questions. And he's just such a – I don't want to say kid because he's not a kid. He's a grown man, obviously, but he just has, like, kid-like answers. And, Damon, you, you whispered in my ear while I was playing and just said, I love his answers. His answers are so funny. No, they're just so genuine is what it is. Like, right. he's just like, yo, he's just, shoot, he's just shooting it straight with you. Just like, yeah, I don't know. Right. Because I, yeah. I remember, like, that. remember that one game where he's just, like, eating the Skittles or the gummy yep. bears? He's like, yeah, they need to give me a sponsorship. Right, right. That, that was the same game that he tried to dime me out for being on Twitter or something. That, yeah, yo, he, he's like, yo, why are you on your phone while I'm up here speaking? And I wasn't even on my phone. The <laughs> <laughs> like loved that class. one. The was like, yeah, get him. Yo, I'm not going to lie to you. There were a couple of times this past season where people was just, yo, you was getting under some people's skin for no reason. <laughs> I don't know what I did. I really they were just looking at you like you. Right. I don't know, man. It's all good. but uh, I'll leave that up to you. That's your job. Right. Exa- yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Derek Carr. That was awesome. But uh, that was Denzel Perryman. Just a little, a few minutes that uh, we had with him, uh, the media. Tashawn Reed was there. Ed Graney was there. Uh, Jesse Merrick was there. And, and multiple others were there as well. Just getting a few minutes to talk to Denzel. You want to hear him one-on-one. Vinny Bonsignor is going to have him on his show in the huddle later on this afternoon, right after 4 o'clock. So you want to hear the, the first, first-time Pro Bowler, Denzel Perryman, 4.15, I believe, is the time to check in with Vinny Bonsignor in the huddle. When we come back, Ken Rogers and Nick Muscola, uh, the Tuck Rule directors for 30 for 30 for ESPN, they'll join the show to talk about, well, the Tuck Rule. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.